This is a sad day. This is a cup of water. I'm just like, used to, this was full of sweet tea. And I'm really trying to cut down on sweet tea so I can live. Um, but I'm not sure that it's worth it. You know? It's just like, I heard somebody talk about bacon. said, if you quit eating bacon, you'll live like nine more years. Nine miserable, wake-up-to-nothing years. So, I mean, just like, why? Why? Okay, for you guys that don't know me, my name's Buddy. I've been around here a little while. And uh, a lot of you haven't seen me as much lately because I've got a lot of things that's happening in my life that's kind of restricted me from being able to uh, be out and about. And we're going to talk about that today. So let me ask you something. Are you guys enjoying this Upside Down series? Man, it's awesome, isn't it? And, and here, here's the thing that I love about this. They couldn't have picked a better person to speak on being upside down. Because I am as weird and upside down, and I have the, the craziest thought process of most people ever. But I love what Victor said several years ago when he said, normal's not working. And so, man, I should be cruising. I'm just telling you because I'm as far from normal as you ever seen anybody. But I love life. Love it. I want to talk to you guys today about something that's a little upside down. Some of the things that I've been through over the last couple of years. Of, I want to talk to you about healing. Jesus as the healer. And actually the name of the sermon is actually healing with a question mark. So you guys bear with me a little bit? You guys ready for the stories? First thing, let's, let's, let's walk through a few scriptures. I want, I want to walk through a few of these scriptures of what the Bible says a little bit about healing. So in Isaiah 53, 5, he said he was, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, I said this in the first service. I did not know this until I did this study. I did not know this because every time somebody has an ailment, the scripture that everybody wants it, by his stripes you are healed. You actually look up the Hebrew word for that, and it is a spiritual healing. It is salvation. By his stripes, we are saved. So it's just, I actually learned something. And it actually stuck in my head. I'm not saying I don't ever learn anything. It is sometimes it doesn't stay there very long. But I mean, how many times have you heard this? People just continuously, by his stripes, you're healed. What they're doing is they're going to quote salvation over you. I love that. Because um, I don't know if you guys realize, but salvation is about this much more important than healing. Okay, 1 Peter 2.24. Who trust who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. Excuse me. <coughs> I think I need a healing. <coughs> and water is not it. Has anybody got any sweet tea on them? 
that ain't right. In James 5, 14 through 15, it says, If is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Guys, keep bearing with me a little bit. Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought him, brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. Matthew 14, 36. And begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many touched it, were made perfectly well. Luke 7, 21. And at that very hour, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. So, I got to looking through there as I was doing the study. I'm telling you, the number of scriptures that talks about healing is astronomical. I started to read them all, but then I would be in here by myself. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how many are, are, are there that talk about healing. But I, I found this in my, in my uh, Logos program, a definition of healing with biblical principles. I want you guys to listen to this, and, and I think it's actually the first of their fill-in. Healing is the restoration of body, mind, or spirit to the state of wholeness and well-being. This restoration may be physical, as in the recovery from illness or injury, or spiritual, as in the forgiveness of sin and justification before God. Ultimately, healing is embodied by Jesus. He is, he, as he healed the sickness of many in his earthly ministry and secured ultimate healing for all in his death on the cross and subsequent resurrection are you guys still alive because man I mean that's good stuff I mean that's good stuff that that lays out the aspects of who Jesus is it's laying it out there on the line so that you can see this is the healer but how many of us realize that when those afflictions start coming into our lives, whether it's something with your family, sickness, um, some bad pastor, I'm not calling you a bad pastor, but when things start coming into our lives, we have a tendency of seeing all of that through the lens of our affliction. <coughs> But it also affects our prayer life. We go from, you know, things are going good, and we go through. Every morning we wake up, whoo, Jesus, this is awesome. It's a great day. Man, we're walking through. Thanks, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. You know, you just, we got all this stuff going. And then all of a sudden, some affliction comes into our life, and then it's like, oh, Lord. Lord, please. I need some healing. This is hard on me. I can't hardly take, I'm scared. And so our prayer life goes from praying to praying. 
You agree with that? I mean, <coughs> if, if Jesus ever wanted to get your attention, he allows something into your life, it will get your attention. And then that's when we start seeing things in a different perspective. Hey, I'm not going to miss this one, Josh. I missed a scripture on the first one, and he let me know that I made a mistake. <laughs> in John 14, 13 through 14, it says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, when an affliction comes into our lives, we want to grab that scripture. We want that scripture. We've already read the ones where Jesus does all this healing, and we want to grab that scripture. Because whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. Here, here's, here's the problem. Here's my issue with this. What if we find out we have something, and we're praying, our friends are praying, our church is praying, our pastor's praying, everybody that we know is praying, and we're not seeing the healing. Now what? Does that go against Scripture? Because, I mean, the Scripture I just read says, if we do anything, if you ask for anything in my name, I will do it. But yet, God, you're not showing up. Boy, it's quiet. But is it, is it not a question? Surely, surely I'm not the only one that's went. I have to question this. I'm not sure about this. Because... What I read and what I see doesn't seem to be the same. You guys are all pretty, probably more righteous than that, but that's how I see it. I struggle with that. So, the healing doesn't come, now what? I mean, we've based our whole belief system on this healing. Now what? Am I at a standstill? Have I lost my salvation? Do I need to repent? What, what, what's going to happen here? I want to walk, if you guys will be patient with me, I'm going to walk you through something that I've had to deal with for the last couple years that's kept me, not sidelined, but occupied. In 2019, I went to the doctor because I had been having prostate problems. And if anybody that knows anything about prostate problems or have had prostate problems, it is a very miserable little thing that you need to pee and you can't. And I know that sounds crude, but it's the truth. It stinks. So I go and get this examination. If you have never had a prostate exam, gentlemen, you have missed something awesome.
When you leave there, it's a possibility that you may have to go straight to a counselor. It's something. But I'm going to tell you, that's something that you need to do. And I'm standing here as a witness because you need to do this. I go in there in 2019. They tell me things are looking good, which I don't understand that part. (laughs) Not where you were at. And he says, you probably don't even need to be taking your medicine. And I'm like, well, I'm still having problems, so I'm going to keep taking my medicine. So that rocks on for a year. And the next year, I go in for my examination. And I put it on my calendar because I can't wait. I'm sitting down there, got little stars by it. I go in there this time. And he checks me. And he goes, oh, Now, be honest with you, when I get the examination, that's what the words I use. Oh. (laughs) But when he said it, that scared me a little. And so he goes, we need to get some blood work. So they go in there and they do some blood work. And they tell me that my PSA is off the chart. Since I don't have my medical degree, not yet. I've been looking in my cornflakes box. But since I don't have that, I'm, I'm not sure what he's talking about. So he tells me, well, I'm going to be honest, straight up with you. You have cancer until proven otherwise. So I need you to go see another doctor in Hot Springs. And I'm like, well, I want you to understand. I'm a southern boy who ain't afraid of nothing. And so I'm just like, and honestly, that's what I did. Nah. How about we just wait and see? And he goes, well, let me try to make this a little more clear. If, if the prostate cancer moves to the next place, the next place that it goes to is your bones. I went, hmm, I need my bones. Well, apparently, we need to check this out. So I do. I go get it checked out. I'm going to tell you, they did a biopsy. If they would have told me what was going to happen to me at that biopsy, I would not have been there. I can tell you right now. They put a camera in a place that it does not belong. I looked over and my face, or my wife's face was white. She wasn't going through it. She was just watching and like, I go. And I just told her, from my perspective, it was worse than that. Then they did the biopsy. And when they do the biopsy, they have this little thing that nips off little pieces of your prostate. So they did it 14 times. I laid there like this going, one, two. (laughs) When I left there, I wanted a prostate exam back. I needed counseling. I said, I I don't know if I could ever look anybody in the eye again. Just, it, it was one of the, I was telling my men's group what really, really happened. I mean, the details of what really happened and those, these Men were going, stop it. 
stop it. That's how, that's how it was. But I find out through this that I have a very aggressive, very rare type of prostate cancer that has to be dealt with now. Now, my wife's dad had seeds, little radiation seeds implanted in his prostate. So I, when they started describing to me some things that this is the only options, I'm going, but they had this. And he said, doesn't work. So here's the only two options, complete removal or radiation. But the radiation that they would give was so powerful that they said it would probably mess up my bladder. And I would have to go up to Hot Springs for eight straight weeks, five days a week, and get this powerful radiation done because of the style that it was. Because I, que I questioned it. Why does everybody else get this toy? You know, I want that. So I elected to have the removal because, to be honest with you, I didn't think I really needed my bladder radiated. So um, if anybody's ever had to deal with that, um, the surgery, that's a couple of months of uh, recovery. The worst part of it to me, an absolute worst part of it, is for 10 days afterwards, I had to wear a catheter. That ain't right. If you've ever had a catheter, it ain't right. If you've never had a catheter, if they say the word, just get in your truck and drive. Because <laughs> it's, it's bad. That's, a, that's another one of the things where they're putting something where it doesn't belong. So now I'm recovered. I've had the C word, and now I have to deal with the knowing that I had cancer. Now, during the stuff that I was going through, I had lots of people praying. And I would have people praying, laying hands on me and saying, we're, we're looking for the miracle that when they go to do the surgery, they won't have to. Instantly healed. But here's the, here's the problem with that. Me and God's already been talking about it. And God told me I was going to walk through it. That I wasn't going to see the miracle. That I was going to have to walk through it with him. That he would walk with me. So, you know, that's good enough. Um, so I got to walk through that surgery. Walk through the side effects. I still have the side effects. I still have to go... Every three, no, every four to six months, get a PSA to get done. The stupid side effects, nobody should have to go through that. It's embarrassing. But my wife reminds me, you know what? You're still alive. And I get to do what God asked me to do because I'm still alive. So, 2020, I'm recovering from all that. I'm trying to get through all this side effects and the embarrassment of trying to face it. There's a possibility, now this is just a possibility, that I'm growing older. And things don't work like they used to. 
So as I'm going through this, come into the fall of 2020, actually 2021, sorry. Coming into the fall of 2021, I'd had the surgery in December of 2020, getting through it. I'm getting ready for one of the most important things that there is, deer season. Now, I, I don't want it to sound like I'm bragging, but I am. I am a good shot. That is something that I pride myself on as being a phenomenal. I deer hunt with an, a CVA Apex single shot 30-06. And most of the time, if I've shot four bullets, I have four deer. I, I pride myself on making sure that I make good shots. I take care of stuff. Coming into this year, or this last year, I take my gun out to practice. And I'm shooting at the target. And I'm all over the place. It's like, I don't get this. Stupid gun. Because it can't be me. I mean, I'm good. It can't be me. I'm all over the place. I shot up a couple of boxes of shells, and it's like, I don't get it. I put one right on it. Next one's way out. It's like I'm not. I'm not understanding. I go deer hunting. First season's muzzleloading season. I'm sitting in my tree stand. Right, getting close to dark. Something's walking behind me. I'm waiting on whatever's walking behind me. And as I'm sitting there, I look off to my right, and this massive buck walks out, and it's making a scrape. 60 yards. I'm going to tell you, cha-ching. That's a dead deer. The only thing I'm having to do is ever so slowly scoot around in that tree stand feet. Because those things are not made to sit sideways in. It's only this wide. And so I get myself turned. I put it on it. I pull the trigger. And it runs off. And I'm like, well, that's impossible. So I go over there, there's no blood, there's no hair, there's nothing. I spend an hour after dark with a flashlight walking through the woods going, it's laying right here. <laughs> Never found anything. Well, I realized that I had shot through some trees, through some brush. There was some, actually some, I'm up, I'm up about 20 feet, and there's some trees growing up that are about this big around between me and it. Now, I could see the deer clearly. But you got to remember, there's a trajectory of the bullet. So I was like, well, I must have hit a limb. So the next day, I cut those things off at the ground. And I drag them off, because that will not ever happen again. I didn't find, I didn't see any more deer. So comes gun season. Sitting in my tree stand, different spot. Well, actually, I had got out of my tree stand and moved up the ridge and was looking for a place that I thought I could see better. I'm standing up there. This doe comes running by me at 170. I mean, I ain't never seen one. I mean, it was stretched out and it almost looked like a blur. But in my eyes, that's a dead deer. So as it's running, I pick me out a spot. And when it comes by, as soon as it enters that scope, I'm pulling the trigger. 
I've got the length of that body from when I first see that nose come in, I've got this much reaction time to kill it in the heart. That was my plan. That thing went by me so fast that when my brain said, pull the trigger, by the time I started pulling the trigger, I could see the tail of the deer going out, and I shot anyway because I couldn't stop it. So it's boom, I was like, nobody saw that stupidness, did they? <laughs> so I opened it up, put my new shell in there, locked it. <coughs> Excuse me. Drink some more of this fine water. Turn around, start walking back toward where my tree stand is, look up. And here comes this big eight-point buck running right at me. Now I know why the doe's running. Now, I ain't never seen a doe run from a deer like that. Most of the time, they just run a little bit, turn around, look back. But she absolutely had no on her brain. That's just all there was to it. She said no, and she was gone. He comes running up through there, running right at me. I just reach up, boom, poof. It hits the ground right there. I said, of course it does. I start walking over toward that deer, going, Yes! Because it had been pretty dry. I mean, I've been struggling here. And I walk up to that deer, and I look down, and here comes another one, another eight-point running up the hill. I was like, well, that's pretty awesome. So I put the gun right on the same spot, pulled the trigger, and just about the time I pulled the trigger, it went up on this little hill. So instead of hitting it right in the chest where I hit the other one, it hit the leg. So now I've got a wounded deer that I never have. And then here's the sad part about it. This is real, realization of all this. this. This is all for a reason. It took me four more shots to kill that other buck. Now, it's not like I'm shooting with a 30-06 single shot, and it's flying through the woods, and I'm trying to unload it and get another one in there. It runs a little ways and stops. And I get on it. Should have been a dead deer. Boom! It runs. What is this thing, a ghost? I finally get the deer. Then the realization of, I'm a quarter of a mile from the road. And I have two eight points. This is not good. But the thing was, I missed. Well, three times. I missed three times at a deer that's standing still. The thing is, I know that that doesn't seem like a big deal to you. It's huge to me. Something's wrong. Because I'm not a bad shot. I'm not one of those that goes, oh dear, boom. So I realize that something's wrong. Some, something's not going right. After deer season, I'm a home inspector. I was a home inspector. I was good at my job. I'm very meticulous. I am a person that literally, I'm a detail freak. And if anybody knows me at all, they know that I'm a weirdo detail freak. And they, people that are selling a house hate me. And the thing is, I don't do it to pick on the house. My job as a home inspector, if you're buying a house and you hire me, my job is to tell you about the house. Whether it's good or bad, you need to know what you're buying. 
correct? If, if you were buying a house, you would want to buy, you'd want somebody like me doing the inspection. If you're selling the house, you don't want to see me walk up on the property. And it's not that I'm picking it apart. I just want people to know this is what you're buying. Well, when I would go to these things, I got where I felt like I couldn't see like I needed to. That it was, I was struggling. And so I started, it was, my eyesight was fuzzy. It had a lot of, I called it goo. It looked like, it looked like goo in my eye all the time, moving around. And this is my right eye, it's my dominant eye. So no matter how clear this eye was, the goo was there. It kind of was like a film on top of everything. And, and I know I'm not the smartest cookie in the world, but I got to thinking, hmm, that's not right. That's a bad sign. So I remember my sister had had a detached retina. Uh, well, maybe that's what it is. So I called her, told her, so here's what's happening here with it. She goes, oh, yeah, sounds just like what I went through. So, okay. So I go to Dr. Bell, and all he said was, yep, something's there. And got me lined up with a retina specialist in, in uh, Fort Smith. Now, this guy had the bedside manner of a mad bulldog. So, with the examination, they take a spotlight that is the brightest light I've ever seen in my life. Then they put a magnifying glass in front of your eye so that it can get brighter so they can look in your eye. My dear spotlight days are over. Because if that's how they're having to go, I'm not doing that anymore. For an hour they did this. He leaves. He finally comes back in. And he says, well, Mr. Hooper, just want to let you know that um, you don't have a detached retina. Yeah. And in the same tone, just blurted it out. He goes, no, you have ocular melanoma. You have a cancer tumor in your eye. What? And I'm going to tell you, I'm not a huge emotional person. A lot of things have happened around me. Never shed a tear. Just walk through it. Dude, I have tears well up in my eyes. And it wasn't, it wasn't even fear. It was the whole thought of, oh my gosh, this road I'm fixing to walk in is fixing to be bad. And that's all I could think about. And Becky didn't, because this was all during COVID stuff too. So Becky couldn't come back there with me. So when I walk out to the front, they're trying to get a hold of a Dr. Firestone in Oklahoma City. Becky comes walking by and she says, because when you have a detached retina, they, they set up an emergency surgery. So usually it's that day. So she goes, when's the surgery? And I go, I'll tell you when we get outside. So we go outside and I tell her this. And she almost breaks down. My daughter calls and I tell her what's going on. And she starts, my daughter doesn't have much emotion either. And she starts crying. 
because both of them heard me say that I had a cancer tumor in my eye. And both of them had already had death, thinking about death. We, we go to Oklahoma City that day, and they do an examination, more spotlight stuff. Um, I know what deer feel like. And he tells me, they're going to have to do surgery. I'm like, okay. So they start telling me what it is. The surgery is they take a gold plaque with radiation seeds, and they sew it because the tumor's on the back of my eye. So they sew it to the back of your eye. Well, you know, I'm not a real genius, but I'm thinking the back of my eye is in here. It ain't out there where you can just reach it. How are you going to put a plaque on my eye? Well, I'll be honest. I, I didn't really want to know that much until afterwards. After I had the surgery and stuff, I did look it up. They take your eye, and you have a thin layer on the outside of your eye. They peel that thin layer back so that they can attach strings to the muscles of your eye so they can turn your eye enough to get to it. See, all the whole time I thought they just said, there it is, there it is. I thought it would be awesome if, if I'm sitting in a tree stand, I could pull it out and look around and see if that deer's coming out. But anyway, I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be hard to get to. So they tell me we're, we're going to have to go through this. So I have to go into the surgery. Now, here's the crazy thing about it. Same thing with my prostate cancer and everything else. They go in there and they start taking my vitals and they start doing all this blood work and all this stuff. I'm the healthiest guy there. They're checking my blood pressure, they're checking my cholesterol, they're checking my sugar, they're doing all this stuff. I'm the healthiest guy there. I'm listening to them do this stuff and going, I'm the one healthy guy with cancer. This is insane. And granted, now, I don't deserve to be healthy. If you've ever seen me eat, this is the grace of God that I'm not dead. Because most of the time, I have bacon, fried eggs, hash browns, and a caramel macchiato, or a white chocolate mocha, or sometimes a salted caramel maple, because I have my own coffee bar and machine. Because I love espresso that much. That's every day. I love fried food. I mean, I love fried food. And it makes Becky angry. She goes, and, one, and, and back then, I was drinking a gallon of sweet tea a day. She goes, you're going to have diabetes. Whatever. <laughs> they checked my sugar, and it's under 100. And I went, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and granted, I, I, I don't have the vitals of a, 20 year old I don't have that but for my age I'm a healthy man except for I have cancer and so walking through all this stuff and here's the thing about it is with my eye sometimes 
I can see something. But most of the time, it's like looking through a frosted glass. That there's light that comes through, but you can't see. Um, the, not the last time I was there, but the time before last, um, I think it was set on 820, and I couldn't see it. So, and then they told me, um, you're going to lose your eyesight. That the radiation is going to take your eyesight. Because it's going to eat away at your retina. Matter of fact, I have to go every five weeks now and get an eye injection. And I, I want to share this with you. Here's what it's like. They get you down there. They put this thing in there to hold your eye open. And they scrub it. Then they put some number in there. And then they scrub this little stuff and put the number in there. And then it's just like a grape. When they stick the needle in there, you can feel it like a grape. Tick, pop. But you can't feel it. I mean, I can feel the pressure of it. And they give me a shot. So all these little inconveniences of having to go to Oklahoma City all the time. I still have to go to Little Rock for my prostate stuff. So I'm living all this stuff. In the mean of all the middle of this stuff that I'm going on, I get two foster kids. And have to deal with what they've had to deal with their whole life. And so life turned upside down completely. Now, I've told you all this stuff, and this is just partial stuff that I'm going to lose my eyesight. I have to, though this is the worst part of it, I have to learn to hunt left-handed. So I'm going to have to retrain myself. I'm 60 years old. I've been hunting since I was eight. So for 52 years, I've held a gun like this. Now, I'm having to hold a gun like this. You ever threw a ball left-handed? <laughs> That's what it feels like. It is the craziest thing in the world. So I have, I have to retrain and do things in my life that are completely different. So here's the thing is. I've been through all this stuff. I've had tons of people praying. Now, I, honestly, I've kept it pretty quiet. I don't spread it around because I don't want anybody feeling sorry for me about anything. But I've told people that I want praying, pray. So I told this whole story to say I just walked through two sessions of cancer, praying, reading the scripture. And when I say praying, I'm talking about praying. Like, by his stripes we're healed type praying. I'm praying. And God didn't heal me. Remember the statement I said before? When you do all this stuff and God doesn't heal you, now what? I guess you drink water. God didn't heal me. At least not in the way that some of us think about and believe what healing is. Because our concept of healing and God's concept of healing is two different things. See, and here's the thing is, is we have a tendency, and I've said this before, we have a tendency to look at healing through the lens of our affliction. You ever notice that if you go buy a car, like 
we bought a Subaru car because we needed something that we could travel back and forth to all these trips because the Jeep kept having lights coming on and all that stuff. And the last thing I wanted was to go over there and get an eye injection and then spend the night on the side of the road. And so I decided that, and given what they want for a used car needs prayer in itself. I said I would never do that with a brand new car, much less a used car. But God, God did bless us because the car that we bought is literally like brand new. One owner, absolutely just like brand new. But you know, I feel safe because I can travel and go where I need to go. But when we buy that car, have you ever noticed that now every car that you meet, oh, they got a Subaru. Oh, they got a Subaru. They got a Subaru. Whatever's going on in your life, you, you look through that lens. Well, when we're going through afflictions, whether it's marital, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, we see through that lens. And I noticed for me, when I had prostate cancer, I've seen a lot of prostates online. Just wanting, I'm looking for the cure. Be honest with you, I'm looking for the cure. There, there's got to be, I mean, we as Americans, I just want a pill. Just give me a pill, I can lose weight. Give me a pill, I can fix my prostate. Give me a pill, I'll stop cancer. That's what we want. It's not what happens, but that's what we want. So we have a tendency of looking through those lenses and not being able to see what we need to see. And sometimes our judgment is skewed by us looking for the healing and not the healer. Have you ever seen? <laughs> see, really, you guys should be writing that statement down. I mean, if you're not writing this stuff down, you're, you're, you're going to miss it. And it's not because of some awesome preaching. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, laugh. Because I really am not that arrogant. The thing is, we have to find the healer. What we do, though, and even as, as Christians, we will go to healer after healer after, we, we want to go to, well, Benny Hinn's over here, and then so-and-so's over here, and if he'll, just, if he'll just touch me, if he'll just pray for me, I will be healed. Then we start searching for all those little miracle things that make billions of dollars a year on the internet. If you will just do this, and we will sell this to you for $39.99 a month, if you will take this, your prostate will be perfect. It's a root. Most of the stuff is a root. Now, I'm not saying that there's not healing aspects in that. Because this is what I truly believe. I believe that God has created a cure for any affliction or disease on this earth. There is something here that he has made that will cure it. But what we do is skew it because we love money. Cha-ching. Come on down if you're having trouble peeing. $39.99 a month and you will flow like a... So sometimes we're chasing that cure and we miss Jesus.
we miss Jesus. There's, we, we've talked about this before. There's tons of scriptures that, that are out there that Jesus said, by your faith you are healed. When they seeked him out, the woman with the bleeding issue was embarrassed. She snuck through there and tried to touch the hem of his garment without him seeing. And then she did. But then Jesus goes, I felt power leave me. Who touched my garment? He's in a crowd. But he knew. But all she was doing was looking for the healing. But she knew the healer. And she knew where to go. It wasn't the prophet. It wasn't this one doctor. It wasn't all this other stuff. It wasn't that magic pill. It was Jesus. But see, the problem is, is because we're not seeing the results that, that we want to see, then we begin to think that our faith and our prayer life is not where it needs to be. That's a lie. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, wait, I, I did this in first service. Before I get any farther, I need everybody to do this. Put your hands up. I need, I, I need to see every one of you. Hang on a second, hang on a second. Okay. I just want to make sure none of you have rocks. Because some of you may not like what I'm fixing to say. I just want to make sure that you don't have anything to throw at me. Hey, and just so you know, you can't throw the Bible. Yeah, see? <laughs> All right. Because we're not seeing the results, we begin to think that our faith is not where it needs to be. Our, our prayer life's not where it's going to be. See, I believe, and his, this is where I'm going to stomp on some toes for some, I believe that a whole lot of these faith healers is false teaching. It infuriates me when I hear somebody say, well, if you had more faith, and your prayer life was better. I'm looking at you. <laughs> if you had more faith and your prayer life was better, you would be healed. Get it together, woman. But is it not what they say? It does. It's a lie. As long as you have Jesus as your Savior, I'd say your faith's okay. And we all struggle with our faith sometimes. If you didn't, I'd have to question that, that you drink Kool-Aid. Here's my problem with faith healers. Here's my issue. And I, I, want, I, I would really like for you guys to, to write this down. I want you to hear this. Most faith healers do not know God's plan for your life. Actually, no faith healer knows God's plan for your life because it's your life and it's God's plan for your life. See, here's the thing is, they also see God as, mortal, as mortals like us, like everybody else. They see God in a mortal eyesight. I don't care how spiritual they say they are. They still see God as immortal as we do. And God is immortal. And he sees where you are 
And he also knows where your healing is and when your healing is. So to me, let's cut that middleman out. He's just trying to make something. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think there's people that can see into the spirit world. I think that they're so close to God they can see into the spirit world. But they still don't know your plan. They only can see the little section that God says, here, I'll let you see this. <laughs> this one here kills me. This is my guilt here. I'm gonna, just so you guys all know, all these statements that it's done, these are all from the result of God doing this. Thunk! Did you get it? Because I'm, sometimes I'm not the smartest cat in the world, and so sometimes he has to give me a kick to see what's going on. So this whole sermon is, I'm sore. Because all of this is through what I've lived through in the last two years. Have you ever heard the statement, when somebody passes, they'll say, well, they're going to get the ultimate healing. And that used to make me, it used to make me mad. It's because it, what it reminded me of was those backdoor prayers. When somebody would pray for you, they'd pray, Lord, heal that cancer in the name of Jesus. But if it doesn't, may you walk with them with everything they got. And I'm going, quit opening the back door. Just make the prayer. It's up to God to take care of the rest of it. You pray the prayer and let God take care of the rest of it. But I'm going to tell you, God had to deal with me on, not, not the backdoor prayer, but me, how I felt about that ultimate healing. Because here's the thing is, what I was doing was I was looking at death as a failure. When somebody died of cancer, they went through all the treatments, they went through all the stuff, and they didn't make it. And what do you do? You always go, well, he sure put out a lot of effort. He was a good man. He worked, so he fought so hard, but he just couldn't make it. He just couldn't hold out. His body just wouldn't hold out. That sounds like he failed. But what it's really, what's really happening with this thing is he's an overachiever. He got early promotion. Because when it says that he got the he ultimate healing, that is a true statement. But here's what comes along with that. Not only did he get the ultimate healing, he got to meet the healer at the same time. Think about that. I said this in the first service. I don't know how you go through the gates. I don't know whether you have a little card. You know, I don't know if it's something on your hand. Said something saying that I'm glorified. Or is St. Peter, is he standing there with a sword going, you may pass. All I know is that I know where my destination is. And I'm going there. And if I die from this cancer that I've got, if I die from that, I get to walk through that gate as an ultimate heal meeting the healer. And, and, and I'm just telling you, in my world, it's not a, the King James version of, well done, good and faithful servant. No, I think Jesus is going to high-five and go, go get them. I chose you, and I knew you'd do that. And the reason I had to bring you home so quick is because you're way too radical. 
You're freaking people out. So I need you to come back. I want that. Because I want you to understand, here's my ultimate healing. I may walk through cancer. I may have walked through a lot of stuff. But it's nothing to the butthead that I was. And I'm saying that because I'm rude. I was not a nice person. And if people met me back then, they would know. I was not a good person. When I told people that I was a wild child, that was saying it nice. I was not a nice person. And he delivered me. He healed me. He healed me from being a rear end. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. That's hard to do. He healed me from that because by his stripes, I am healed. I've got salvation. I know where my destiny is. If I pass away, I know that my wife is going to miss me. Actually, if you guys see her partying after that, I need some prayer life because I'm coming back. I actually seen this thing online that I want to do this at my funeral. I want to have a whole bunch of my friends use my phone and text everybody after the funeral. Hey, I like that white shirt you was wearing. I'm so glad you showed up. Hey, quit crying. It's not a bad thing. Using my phone. I want that. And I, and I told my wife, I said, what I want in my funeral, I want a celebration. Man, I don't want no tears. I don't want anything. I told my wife to set this thing up as the most awesome worship service that there ever was. I want people to tell stories from when I was a rear end to the stories that preaching today. That there is a delivering God, there's a healing God that can take care of all this stuff, and he can take you from spot to spot to spot and get you where he wants you. He he actually don't even need your permission. (laughs) See, the cool thing about it is I want that to truth to be known. And then I also want them to know that God did this on purpose. He created me this way on purpose because I have a, a tendency of being able to get people's attention. I want to serve him. And I never want to look at death as a failure again. Every time I hear something of somebody passing away, I want it to be a celebration. Unless unless it didn't have the preventive maintenance that it took, you know, like salvation. You know, somebody that dies without salvation is just not going to be a pretty picture. But see, I got my preventive maintenance taken care of, so no burns for me. I believe that there's so many variations of the healing that we have this skewed view of what we think healing is, but Jesus has a real view of what healing is. And we allow, if we will allow him to do the healing, he will give us the healing that we need. If we have the healer, the healing will come. The ultimate goal is to walk through our infirmities as we seek our healer, Jesus, and not the healing. 
And along with that healing, even if we don't feel it, even if we don't feel it, see it, we will have a peace that is beyond understanding. I have never once, through all this stuff that I've had, never once have I been afraid. I've not been scared about it at all. God gave me a peace about it. Like I said, the only thing that I was afraid of is I was so scared that my wife and kids would be left here. And I felt like that I just needed to protect them. But I got to get out of my own pride and realize that Jesus is going to take care of them a lot better than I can. But it's, uh, I've said this before, I'm a little bit of a control freak. And so I like to keep everything right where I can handle it. But God's teaching me that I don't have to be a control freak. All I got to do is trust him. So here's my challenge. And I need to challenge every one of you guys. I mean, this is in your face. I'm going to challenge you. You need to grab these statements, and you need to live by these statements. Live by these statements. I want you to hear this. Seek out the healer, Jesus. The healer. Let's not chase the cure. Let's find the healer. Because inside the healer is everything that we need. Walk the journey he has for you. Even if you're going through an affliction, even if the stuff that I'm going through in my afflictions, I'm walking the journey. And if you guys don't, if you know me at all, and if you've been around me in the last 10 years, have you seen me moping? Have you seen me down? No. Now, I might not on the right side, I might not have seen you at all. Because I've ran some people over not realizing that they'd walked up by me. So, just so you guys understand, I can't see out of this eye. I lost depth perception. So everybody that heard first service, every time I get close, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Because I could go. Because that's where my depth perception is, is I lose my footing. Because the ground's not where it's supposed to be. The journey that God gives us, we have to walk in. Here's one of the things that you've got to grasp. If you've got saved, you already know where your destination is. Amen? So, why are you not walking out the journey? Quit looking at the destination and walk the journey. Because all the things that we're going to do, all the people that we're going to meet, all the things that we're going to send out and minister to and all that is all in the journey. It ain't down there. It's here. And if you walk that out as a man or woman of God through your afflictions, how much more of a testimony is that? Now, if I would have started day one going, <laughs> I have cancer. Please feel sorry for me. I don't want that. I want to be a man of God that's walking through the journey with no fear. Don't walk this journey in fear. Don't let anyone or anything steal your joy. And I'm almost done. I'm sorry I'm running a little bit behind. Don't let them steal your joy in the journey. People will try to speak things into your life that are a lie, that bring fear. Fear is not from the healer. Do you understand that? Fear is not from the healer. Walk in the joy and the healing that Jesus is bringing you as you walk through this. 
Don't let anyone tell you that your faith is not enough and your prayer life's good enough. That's a lie that brings fear and does not come from the healer. Do you understand that? It's a lie. Have a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to be super spiritual. However, Jesus just wants a companionship with you. He wants a relationship with you. Our faith is in Jesus that heals more than the outcome that we see or feel. You realize that the healing is not what you see. The healing is not what you feel. Jesus decides that. You understand? Jesus decides that. We just seek who he is, and then we don't have to worry about anything else but walk of the journey. Here's my challenge to you guys. This is going to be uncomfortable, and I like it. I'll just be honest with you. I love making you uncomfortable. I want every person in this room to come to the front because we're going to pray for healing. But it's not going to be the typical praying for healing. I'm not going to walk around and, and uh, lay hands on you. What I want us to do as a church, and I'm going to come, I'm going to be down there with you. I want you to come down here, gather around this altar, and we're going to pray that when we walk away from here, we have the healer. That we're seeking the healer. That we're no longer chasing the dreams or chasing this and chasing that. The only thing that we want to find is the healer. And that healer will provide everything that we need. Everything that we need. Even if we don't see it or feel it, he provides. Amen? So come on. Come on. Seriously, come on. I want us to pray. in here and just pack in here as close as you can I want us to I want us to seek him with every outpouring that we have inside of us that it's it, I don't I'm not even talking about an emotional pouring but sometimes it is an emotional pouring because God give us that emotion but I want us to seek with everything every fiber within us that it's not about chasing the healing chasing the cure to the marriage, chasing the cure for our spirituality, that what we actually are looking for is Jesus. And he's bringing everything in one package. It's like just getting one giant package for Christmas and we open it up and bam, everything that we ever wanted was right there. It's right there. All we got to do is just dive in. You guys ready to find him? Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, just look. Look at everything that we have here. We have the whole church full of people pouring out, looking for the healer to change the things that are going on in their life so that there's no more chasing goals, 
no more chasing cures, no more chasing doctors, healers, all the different things. We just find you, and you are with us. And it even says, seek, and you will find. And it also talks about if there's two or more, I'm with you. There's more than two of us here, guys. He's here. He's here. Going through the crowd right now, changing lives, touching hearts, making things new again, helping us realize that Jesus is what we need and not what the world has to offer. Let it be, Lord. Let it be. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Let no one leave this church today that their heart is not touched by the healer. And I want everybody to stay here until you find. But I'm going to end this prayer because Jesus, we love you. And everyone in the church said, Amen. Stay here. Find the healer. Find your healer. challenge this week is that we pursue Jesus that we walk out this journey pursuing the one that has all that we need whether that's healing whether that's encouragement whatever it is it's found in him amen amen Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to encourage you as we just finish out in worship, as you leave, uh, if, you, if you would like to pray with someone, Buddy's going to be around over here. Uh, the rest of us, let's all together, we'll stack a chair, grab a square, and sing our way out of here. We will see you next week.